You see the beauty of God, and you can't say no. But you see the messiness of religion, and you can't say yes. The awe and wonder of life make it almost impossible not to believe, but the ache and evil of the world make it utterly irrational to believe. Maybe you were promised that Christianity would resolve life's paradoxes and answer your deepest questions only to discover that it has unearthed even deeper and more unanswerable ones. Questions like, who is Jesus and why did he really come? What is salvation and what are we actually saved from? Who are Christians and why do too many of them seem so unchristian? And what is the Bible and how are we supposed to read it in the modern world? And what is the meaning and purpose of life? And where is all this headed? It turns out Christianity is not a religion of finite answers. Christianity is an ongoing conversation about the infinite possibilities of experiencing God and the beauty and in the mess of life, the ache and the awe of the world. If you're inclined to say no to religion, you can still say yes to the conversation. Join us for this provocative new series, Why Christian? A generous six-week conversation about how we might still find faith even when we can't believe anymore. grace and peace to you this season. It is on Christmas Eve that we gather in anticipation of the Christ child, recalling God's presence with us. In this space, all are welcome and recipients of God's love and grace. St. Andrew is an open, affirming, inclusive congregation, a community of believers and skeptics, the lost and the found, families of all shapes and sizes, and people from every point along life's journey. No matter who you are or where you've been, what you believe, or even if you believe at all, or whatever brought you here on this Christmas Eve, you belong here. Whether you are worshiping with us here in this sanctuary or online from home, I wanna say hello and a warm welcome to you this Christmas Eve. Just to note, as you are seated, please move to the center of the row, filling in all available space. 
We expect a full sanctuary and need to make room for everyone. Thank, Thank you, you for joining, joining us and spending your, your Christmas, Christmas Eve at St. Andrew. Andrew. Does, that Does that sound too hokey or...
Welcome to the beauty and the mystery of Christmas Eve. It's wonderful to see you all here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century Christian martyr, said, The incarnation, the whole human race, recovers the dignity and image of God. <clears throat> Tonight, we behold the image of God. God in the face of an infant. We see the beauty of who God made us to be and who we might become. We are so glad that you're here, whether you're here with family and friends or just passing through or have made St. Andrew your spiritual home. We are so glad and grateful to see you. St. Andrew is a congregation that's deeply committed to welcoming and embracing people from every walk of life and from every point in the spiritual journey. So know that you are welcome here, that we are here to walk beside you on this journey of faith. Now just a few things. At the end of our service today, we will conclude with our tradition of singing Silent Night and a candle lighting. When we do light each other's candles, the best way to hold your candle, the lit candle, is to hold it vertically, turn to your neighbor and allow them to light their candle from yours. Until then, please know that these candles have a tendency to fall off the seats and land on the concrete floor, which kind of sounds like Carol of the Bells, but not in tune. So I would invite you now, rather than kind of sounding a large or loud clank in the middle of the service to just take your candle and go ahead and put it underneath your seat. <clears throat> if you are worshiping with us today online, you are invited to light a candle now, welcoming the light of Christ. A few more things. Please be sure to pick up a Christmas ornament on your way out today, the final ornament in our Unto Us series. And certainly we invite you back here on Christmas Day for our Christmas Day service at 9 a.m. I invite you now to silence your cell phones, center your hearts and mind, and stand and turn towards the center aisle as we welcome the light of Christ in our midst.
gives us our Lord Emmanuel. While we are waiting, come, come Savior. Well, friends, it is a joy to be with all of you here on this most glorious of days. My name is Rev. Jerry. For those of you who don't know me, and along with Amy, I'm one of the ministers here at St. Andrew. And on behalf of all of us, again, you are welcome, and we are so glad you are here. At this time, as we prepare to light our Christ candle, I'm going to invite, and I'm going to get this name right, the Kalarich family, or Kalarich, Kalarich, I got it, the Kalarich family to come on up and light our Christ candle. If you can, please remain standing through this ceremony and our first hymn to follow. We join the onlookers in the fields, watching God come to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. As we watch this night, the fields come alive with beauty and the sounds of angels singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. The shepherds are the first to know that the Christ child has been born. Each December in our ordinary fields, we stop to experience the wonder of his birth. And now we join together in saying, we light these candles to declare that unto us a savior is born. We sit in awe and welcome the Christ child. Joy to the world.
And you may be seated. Friends, I invite you now to join me as we raise our voices in unison and prayer and pray our Christmas prayer together this today, the words of which will be on the screen. Let us pray together. Lord of star and manger, light in our darkness, we recall the night when heaven and earth were gathered into one. We recall the night that you spoke your word of creation into the starry void, and your word became flesh and lived among us. We recall that you came not as a conqueror, but a child, not as a king, but a servant. We recall the cold night of your birth that is our birth, when your light was born in us. Lead us to follow you in humility and peace so that all who walk in darkness might see your great light. Amen. As I wander out under the sky, how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor hungry people like you and like I. I wonder as I wander out sky when Mary birthed Jesus was in a cow stall with wise men and farmers and shepherds and all but high from God's heaven a starlight did fall and the promise of a it then did recall. If Jesus had wanted for any wee thing, a star in the sky or a bird on the wing, or God's angels in heaven for to sing, he surely could have it, was he was the king. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. How Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor hungry people like you and like I. I wonder as I wonder how. Oh, 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her.
In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you, you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to play his, play, pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who is to, be shepherd my who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. may be seated. Friends, we are finally here. Christmas Eve. Are you ready? I hear this kind of collective. I pray that none of you have to stop by a 24-hour retail store on your way home, but if you do, no judgment. Peace be with you. Now, I grew up in a dichotomy of Christmas preparedness. My mama had a gift room, actually my childhood bedroom that she rebranded after I left for college. Always on the lookout for a good deal, she would buy gifts the whole year through and kind of store them up like a squirrel. 
and she would wait until December to pull them all out. And usually it was about December 20th, there was often a surprising discovery when she would find that she had purchased multiples of the same thing and just simply forgotten along the way that she had purchased them at all. For her, there was intention and often a theme in gift giving, but the truth is that she never wanted to be caught unprepared or without a gift for someone in case they stopped by. It was nearly impossible for her to simply receive a gift without offering one in return. Now, my dad, on the other hand, loved the thrill of crossing off his list at the 11th hour and would show up for Christmas proud of his accomplishments, often with a good story. Some years, we kids kind of wondered why cans of Dr. Pepper and Tootsie Rolls and bags of Doritos would be wrapped, but we kind of went with it. It seemed practical, and we were actually pretty happy about it. So today, wherever you are in the readiness continuum of Christmas, or if you are nowhere at all, it's okay. It's really okay. The good news is, and I want you to take a deep breath right now, Jesus will still be born, ready or not. Thank goodness, right? The birth of Christ, you see, isn't really contingent on our readiness. Now, in my experience, the birth of a child is one of the ultimate reminders of how little we control. No matter the due date, even when induction is scheduled, there is not a precise moment when we can predict a birth will occur. I'd venture to say that Mary and Joseph were no different in that. So many things about the birth story of Jesus were out of their control. There was no nesting, only angels singing. There was no preparing the nursery or choosing paint colors. And certainly there was no birth plan or set aside birthing room or even a full team of neonatal specialists on standby, ready to support the Christ child. He simply came. And besides, when you think about it, how do you really prepare to receive the birth of Christ? I can't help but think of all that was going through the mind of Mary and Joseph. Do we have enough diapers? Did you pick up the swaddling cloths? How does that cart seat fit on the donkey? Or will God just take care of it? Here's the reality. I imagine that Jesus and his birth were a powerfully disruptive force bursting in on the middle of ordinary and unprepared lives, offering the possibility of transformation. And just like any child coming into the world, there is no roadmap whatsoever. You think you're ready and you never really are. You just kind of hope for the best, stare at that newborn for five minutes, and hope you don't mess it up. Well, in the text today, we see the faithful response of Mary and Joseph 
and the shepherds willing to step unto the unknown, I kind of think there was a different story going on behind the scenes. And personally, I happen to find a lot of grace that it is very likely that Mary and Joseph didn't have it all together either. They never figured it out, probably in the moment, but they were faithful in their response. Now, one of the many privileges that I've had in ministry is to travel several times to the West Bank and to spend time in Bethlehem. Walking the streets of Bethlehem, standing in the midst of Manger Square, and sitting in the ornate basilica of the Church of the Nativity, where down in the grotto there is a silver star, not much bigger than the palm of my hand, marking where it was believed that Jesus was born. Now, if you're there, it's so hard to imagine among the gold-adorned icons and candles that this is what Jesus' birthplace actually looked like. What is generally known, however, is that 2,000 years ago, people kept animals in their homes, similar to a cave, not an outbuilding. And it's very likely that Joseph and Mary first did not go to an inn, but instead, because they were fleeing, that they were actually on their way to stay with family. Now, if you know anything at all about Middle Eastern hospitality, they wouldn't, as a culture, have dreamt anything other than welcoming extended family into a shared home, where there would be a small guest room, often built on top of the home, to take in visitors and family. Now, you may be sitting there wondering, what then is meant when we are told that there was no room for them? The actual translation in the text in Greek is kataluma, which simply means to have no space. There wasn't really space for them. It's likely that the couple traveled to Bethlehem and the family guest room was already full. So that meant that Mary and Joseph stayed with the family in the main room of the house, which is where Mary would have given birth. In an agricultural society, it would have been the most natural place to lay the baby in the hay-filled area at the lower end of the home, where the animals were fed and where actually it was the warmest. Now, apologies here and now if I have crushed your love for the song Away in a Manger. But actually, the idea that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were in a stable, far away from others, alone and outcast in a cold and lonely place, is culturally implausible and doesn't really make much sense. After spending time with Palestinian people in their homes, living among them, sharing meals, and seeing the ordering of their daily life, it opened up a whole new perspective for me on what it means that Jesus came to be one of us and live among us. Not hidden away in a lowly stable or a carefully prepared guest room complete with shampoo and special towels that you only pull out once a year, but rather Jesus came in to the world in the midst of a main living space. In some way, 
I kind of think that entry makes it a little easier to welcome this child, human and divine, and imagine him joining us in the chaos and noise of our everyday life, not needing to have everything just so in order to welcome him. And while being born in a stable may make for a better song, it distances Jesus from the rest of us. Jesus was born in the form of a human to be one of us, one with us. He came to be what we are and where we are. And during this time, that meant in a normal, crowded, warm, welcoming Palestinian home, just like the other Jewish boys of his time. Looking back at even such a young age, I would imagine that Jesus had some FOMO, fear of missing out. It's no surprise then that Jesus came into the heart of the home, surrounded by people in the chaos of the senses and in a busy city, just so God could be really, really clear with us on a deep desire for relationship. Make no mistake that this is a God who deeply desires relationship with community, wants to connect with us in every way possible, even going so far to join us, to be like us, so that we could be more like God and a reflection of God's love. A Jesus that was born over there, away from everyday life, inviting us to visit once a year, doesn't quite fit with who Jesus was or how he lived his life. Today, we celebrate the incarnation of the Christ child in the form of a little baby, the incarnation of the love of God made visible. The incarnation of love that the nativity parable point to is the same love encountered in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. In this free-thinking, boundary-breaking, justice-seeking peacemaker, the people, the people discovered the image of God, a God who is love, and showed them ways that shattered their own understanding of reality. They, you see, were most likely looking for a warrior king, a grand entrance, rather than simply a tiny baby that was born among them and among us when we remember the Christ child every year and every day. Everything about the nativity parable points us to the holy, a holy that is breaking through in the everyday stuff of our lives in the simple birth of a child coming in the poverty of a people, in the struggle to be free, in the quest for love and to be love in the world. It is here that Christ takes on flesh and dwells among us. Wherever we are connected in relationship, there is Christ, the body of God, the essence of life itself. So no matter how we prepare ourselves, the reality of birth is astounding. Babies draw us in. And actually, it was Darwin that first researched how there is something about an infant 
which prompts adults to respond and care for them, which actually allows our species to survive. And while this evolutionary explanation makes sense, our attraction to tiny humans isn't entirely a result of a primitive desire in every person to act as a parent. In fact, more recent research has indicated that reactions to cuteness aren't necessarily directly related to some sort of instinctual need to nurture, but rather are more universal and based in a deep desire to connect and interact with people in a symbiotic way. Now, there's a lot of different ways this birth story thing could have gone. And yes, you may have some questions about it, as do I. But I wonder, I wonder if it could simply be as simple as a Christ child, a little baby coming to live and be among us because of God's deep desire to be in relationship with us. What if just for a moment, we could take in the glimpse of God, a God who laments. We could take in the glimpse of God, a God who loves us and comes to us in the form of a child, embodied in the life of Jesus. I'm guessing that it's only through a child that we can even imagine that kind of love and be able to feel it and return it. You see, it's not just some one-way transactional relationship that we are asked to adore the Christ child, but rather by looking at this tiny baby, baby boy Jesus, we see a mutual love whereby loving this child, we can feel the love of God. Now, most of us can't understand the vastness of God's love in such a large universal scale but we can understand the love of a baby. Current research in neuroscience and attachment indicates that we aren't attracted to babies just because they're cute, I mean, it helps, but rather because of that feeling we get when we see a baby. For an infant's love is pure and at its best mutual and symbiotic. My friends, this is how God's love works. We trust God because we can relate to that tiny baby. And the cool thing, the cool thing is we don't have to be perfect or even ready to receive this Christ child. So what if we took a different approach this Christmas and we did nothing except let the wonder of the Christ child come to us? Now, I'm wondering if you have heard the story of the New York businessman that was traveling to the South. He was in the Atlanta airport where he found a restaurant and sat down and ordered some ham and eggs. When the waitress delivered the order, there was something additional on the plate. He looked at her, stared at his plate, and said, what is this white glob here on my plate? And the waitress said, those are grits. And he said, but I didn't order any grits. And she said, honey, you don't order grits. They just come. Friends, we don't order Christmas. 
We don't order the birth of Christ year after year when we welcome and open our hearts to the love of the Christ child. It's very likely that we may not feel ready or prepared or equipped or even worthy. And that's the wonder of it all, how it just comes together. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, likely the whole world wasn't ready for this birth either. And yet it didn't matter. God wanted so much to be with us, connect with us, and meet us in the chaos, in the thick of it all, as we are, and found a way through, through the Christ child. Amen. Beloved, let us pray. After the anticipation of Advent, we finally come face to face with the wonder of this moment. Prepare our hearts, O God, to embrace your call to community and hospitality here and beyond our walls. Remind us that we are a part of your Spirit's movement in the world and long that all might know your peace, joy, and abundance. Thank you. Thank you for being one who is with us. Amen. Friends, as we prepare now for our Christmas offering, I want to invite you to utilize one of the online giving platforms or the offering plates that will be passed among you shortly as you prepare to give your Christmas offering. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its Oh. 
Let us pray. Come, O peace. Settle our hearts that we might know a peace that passes all understanding, a sense of God's wholeness. Let it be with us according to your word. Come, O joy. Speak to us in dreams and through angels that we might encounter your presence and your calling. Stir in our hearts to seek justice and act in the ways of peace. Come, O oh wonder and faithfulness. Labor in us, be born in us, that we might recognize the one who is born this night. And now we lift our hearts to you in a moment of silent prayer. Now, loved ones, let us raise our voices together as one as we pray the words that our Savior Jesus Christ taught us to pray as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
friends, here at St. Andrew, we practice an open table, which means all are welcome to receive Holy Communion. You do not have to be a member of this church or any church or be any particular age to participate in this sacred experience. All the bread used today is gluten-free. There are also pre-packaged communion elements, if you would prefer them, here on the altar. And if you are unable to come forward, if you will please indicate so by raising your hand, and the ushers will let us know to bring communion to you. Just a reminder that during communion, you will be offered a piece of bread, and you will dip the bread in the cup. You are invited to this holy meal. Please join me in the prayer of confession found on the screen. Beloved, let us pray together. Loving God, at this table, you are the host and we are the guests. And so we come trusting in your goodness. At your table, we have nothing to hide or fear. And so we come seeking your forgiveness. Forgive what our lips fail to name and what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness through Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Beloved, whoever you are, whatever your need, you are forgiven in the name of Christ. Amen. This is the bread and the cup. This is the body broken, the love poured out our sustenance our abundant life is a gift from God for the people of God given to us in grace Jesus broke bread gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body given for you likewise he took the cup and shared it as a meal with his disciples his friends and he said take this all of you Drink from it, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Eat this meal. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and these gifts of bread and cup. May we be filled as we receive the bread and the cup. And may we be one as we become the bread and the cup for the world, broken and poured out, grace for the world's broken places. Let us pray. Let us pray together, friends. Gracious God, we, we give, give you thanks for this holy mystery. mystery. In, In the, the bread, bread we break and the cup we share, grant us vision. Grant us courage for the living of these days, and may this meal give us sustenance for the day and journey ahead.
Beloved, the table is set, and as Rev. Amy said, all are welcome. We will serve our communion servers first, and once they have been served, all are invited to come forward and partake in the gifts of the table offered herein.
friends, we do indeed give thanks for this meal of bread and cup. May they sustain you for the journey and year ahead. I invite you now to stand with your candle in hand for our final hymn, Silent Night.
friends, will you join me now for the benediction on the screen? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Go in peace. God is with you.